My Bible's open to 2 Samuel 16. 2 Samuel 16. I'd encourage you to take your Bibles and turn turn there. That will be the text of our lesson. We will, we will be staying for the majority of our evening in 2 Samuel, the 16th chapter, right around in that area. And I'd encourage you to take your Bibles or your favorite Bible app and follow along with us. We're going to study from God's Word this evening. Very interesting character that we read about in the Old Testament. I don't know for whatever reason, but I've always been intrigued with really the bad guys of the Bible. And I don't know why, other than the fact that they're so unpredictable. I mean, the good guys in the Bible, you always know what they're going to do. We read Genesis chapter 39, we read about Joseph, we know what Joseph's going to do. We read about the good Bob, the good guys like Moses in the Bible. We know the position they're going to take. We know what they're going to do. We read about uh, Joshua and other characters in the Bible. We know what they're going to do. But tonight I want to talk about uh, one a character in the Bible that I would consider one of the bad guys of the Bible. And he's a very insignificant character that we read about here in 2 Samuel chapter 16. Most of you may not even remember this person. But there's a statement about this character that is so intriguing that it leaves me asking more questions than I could begin to answer. And the name of that character that we read about in 2 Samuel is the the character of Ahithophel. Now most of your Bibles don't even mention him in the list of names that's found in the back of the Bible in your concordance. I know as I was preparing the sermon, I, I researched in the back of my Bible. Now, it doesn't have a very extensive concordance of names. But I'm looking through some of the names in the back of my Bible, and I find that there's a lot of people that I've never even heard of. But i got to tell you, my guy is not even in the back of my Bible. What we're going to find out about Ahithophel is, is he plays a very interesting role in 2 Samuel chapter 16. And we're going to find that he is a man that is very intriguing. Now, most of most of us realize the story that's taking place in Second Samuel chapter sixteen, and we're going to cover that in just a moment. But here is the verse in verse twenty three that I find that is so intriguing about this man, Ahithophel. The Bible says, "Now the advice of Ahithophel, which he gave in those days, was." As if one had inquired of the oracles of God. And so was all the advice of Ahithophel both to David and to Absalom. And what do you think is so intriguing about that? Well, first of all, I'm kind of envious of the man. I, I mean, I think sometimes that I've had some pretty good advice and there's sometimes... I feel like that I'm a pretty insightful person, but I can tell you this, my wife and children will attest to the fact that when it comes to my advice, they never have considered my advice to be as if it was the counsel of God. I I can promise you that. The second thing that I would point out to that is, is that the Bible doesn't say this man is a prophet. This, this, the Bible doesn't say that this counsel or this wisdom that Ahithophel got was something that was from God. It doesn't say that he was a prophet. It was the fact that he was so stinking smart and he was so wise in his counsel that David considered it as if it was the counsel of God. This was David's most, most treasured advisor. You see, his counsel had the kind of solidness to it 
that, that you just couldn't dispute. But what's interesting about the verse that we just read a moment ago, the Bible says that Absalom also considered the counsel of Ahithophel to be the same solidness that David did. Well, one may say, well, why do you find that so intriguing? Well, here's what's the intriguing part is, is that David and Absalom were at extreme odds with each other. Absalom was in the middle of trying to take over the kingdom of David, uh, trying to overthrow the kingdom of David. And so there was a rebellion that was taking place. And so David in his time with Ahithophel said, the guy's like God. His counsel's just like God. And when he speaks, it's rock solid advice. And when Ahithophel went to Absalom, uh, Absalom felt the same way about him. Absalom agreed that, that, that the guy's, the, the guy's counsel was just like God's. And so this man was a very important man to both of these, these men. Now we don't do that in our country today. When you have an, when you have an advisor like Nixon had Kissinger, now, many of you have given me that blank stare. Many of you probably not only saying, who is Kissinger, but some of you are saying, who is Nixon? Well, Nixon was the president of the United States several years ago, but he had a very trusted advisor by the name of Henry Kissinger. And he was a man that, that, that many historians would attribute to the fact that, that Kissinger was a very key man in Nixon's administration. He was a man that Nixon leaned heavily on. And I'm going to tell you something. All presidents have advisors. They are wise and they are politically savvy. But here's the thing. When one president leaves office and another president comes in, you never see the advisors stay on for the next president. You never see that happen. And what's even more interesting is, is that you take, for instance, if there's a party change... Let's say the Republicans are in and they go out and the Democrats come in. You would never see a situation of where a Republican advisor would be compatible with a Democratic administration. You'd never see that. If we can understand that, then we can understand what's so intriguing about this situation. Because what we have here is a situation... More like as if the, if the capitalists were going out and the communists would, were coming in. A full-scale rebellion was taking place. And if you think for one second that an advisor to the President of the United States could be a compatible advisor to the Tsar of Russia, then you can see the scenario that is developing here with Ahithophel and Absalom and David. You can understand why this verse is so intriguing to me. Here's a man that is a coveted counselor by both of these men. In chapter 15, in verse 12, something interesting very uh, in this passage, something very interesting happens. The Bible says that during this rebellion of Absalom and David, Absalom trying to take the kingdom from David, that Absalom sent for Ahithophel the Gileonite, David's counselor from his city and from Gilo. And while he offered sacrifices and the conspiracy grew strong and the people with Absalom continually increased 
in number. See, here's what happened. David's kingdom had been overthrown by Absalom, but before it was overthrown, Absalom had to gather his forces together and Absalom realized that if he was going to be victorious, he was going to have to steal Ahithophel from David. I don't think I'm reading too much into the text to say that when Absalom said, I got to take the kingdom from David, the one important thing that I've got to have is Ahithophel. And as long as Ahithophel is with David, uh, then, then David has the upper hand. But if I can steal Ahithophel, then I can not only gain a, a very wise counselor, but I can emasculate the strength of David and take it away from him. And the Bible says once the word gets out that Ahithophel joins the rebels, he joins the conspiracy. The Bible says that the conspiracy grew and that Absalom's numbers increased. I'm going to tell you something, brethren, as I read this text, this is a this is a just a scandal by epic proportion. And can you think about how scandalous this must have been at this time? This would have been on par with the scandal of Joseph Stalin's daughter and Adolf Hitler's nephew defecting to America during World War II. You see, the Bible tells us that the great wise man had gone over to the other side. Look at chapter 16 and verse 15. And I'm trying to show you how important Ahithophel is in, in the rebellion. I'm trying to show you just how, how necessary he was to the rebellion. In chapter 16 and verse 15, the Bible says, Meanwhile, Absalom and all the men of Israel came to Jerusalem. And notice right here, notice what the Holy Spirit reveals to us. And Ahithophel was with him. You see, God deemed it necessary to show us the importance of who was there. The guys that important. He singled out in the text. Absalom came and the armies came to Jerusalem. And did I mention here that, that the important thing is, is that the main man is with them. And that's Ahithophel. I'm showing you from the scriptures, this man's influence in both the kingdom of David and the kingdom of of Absalom. So let me ask you this. How do you think he got to be so wise? I mean, how does a man get to be this intelligent and this coveted as a counselor? Let me tell you this. There's part of this story that we just won't be able to answer. We just don't know the answer to. My guess is, is that he had a sufficiently high IQ. He was also probably the type of guy that was pretty politically savvy. He just knows people. He's that type of guy that just knows people and he knows how to get things done. Let me tell you this. There's one more thing about Ahithophel that makes him a particularly coveted counselor. You see, he has in his family a great military wise counselor of his own. So he not only knows politics, but he knows military strategy. And the person he is known is found in verse 34 of chapter 23. So I want you to take your Bibles and skip forward just a few chapters. And I want you to notice that in chapter 23, the Bible there reveals to us 
some very interesting men within David's administration. We talked about in Bible class this morning about how David had attracted some of the some of the more gnarly people of society. Remember that we talked about that in Bible class? David was a man of war. David understood how it was to fight war. David was a warrior himself. But in Genesis or in 1 Samuel uh Chapter 12, or chapter um, 23 here. I want you to recognize, or in Second Samuel chapter 23, I want you to recognize that, that what God reveals to us here is, is that David surrounded himself by 37 mighty men. These were the mighty men of David. These would have been the, these would have been the Navy SEALs of that day. I'm going to tell you, you get some personal time on your own to read about these men Take some time to read chapter 23 and read some of their accomplishments. These men were gruesome warriors. They killed people and they killed a lot of people. And of the elite and of the of these mighty men of David, I want you to notice in verse 34, the Bible tells us that there was a man by the name of Philiat, and he was the son of Abishai, and, and, and then there was the son of, of, of Machaethite. And then there was Elam, the son of Ahithophel, the Gileonite. Think about that for a moment. So you have David who has this wise counselor, Ahithophel, and think about who his son is. His son is one of the 37 mighty men of David. So not only is he politically savvy, but he has some inside connection when it comes to war. Now, of the 37 men singled out, I want you to skip on down to verse 39. And I want you to see if you recognize that name. Of these 37 men in verse 39, the Bible says and mentions here a man by the name of Uriah the Hittite. Do you remember who that was? Uriah was a man that the Bible tells us that David eventually killed because of his affair with Bathsheba. We know that name. We recognize that story. We remember that story. You see, when David had committed adultery and his kingdom had gone into a great depression. So the only reason that I bring that up is I want you to realize that Elam and Uriah would have known each other. These men would have fought side by side. They would have known each other. And we'll come back to that in a moment. David... Fears Ahithophel so much. There's Elah, the son, the son of Ahithophel, and then we see Uriah, the Hittite, and so we see the the the, the really the story building here. But I want you to realize that this situation with Ahithophel was getting so out of control. He fears Ahithophel so much that when Ahithophel joins the rebellion. He's so frightened of him that David offers a very specific prayer to God. And I want you to understand the significance of that prayer. In 2 Samuel chapter 15 and verse 31, the Bible says, Then someone told David, saying, Ahithophel is among the conspirators with, uh, conspirators with Absalom. And David said, O oh Lord, I pray, turn the counsel 
of Ahithophel into foolishness. Someone may say, where do you find that All the prayers that David could have prayed at this point. God, give me strength to defeat Absalom. God, give me the make my warriors stronger than they've ever been. God, give me the strength to take back my kingdom. No, what he does is he realizes that he is in trouble. He realizes that this man is so smart and so intelligent that what he's got to do is he's got to pray to God to make the counsel of Ahithophel foolishness. Now not only does God does David pray that he makes the counsel of Ahithophel foolishness, but I want you to notice something. David prays and then he does something about it. There was a man about this time that approached David and in, in, in Chapter 16 here, or in chapter 15, the latter part of the chapter, by the name of Hushai the Archite. Now, brethren, I know this is a difficult story, and I know I'm throwing a lot of names at you, but I'm hoping that you're following along. But this man named Hushai the Archite approaches David right about this time that he loses Ahithophel over to Absalom. And he says, David, you know, I, I know that you lost Ahithophel. I am a wise man. I can counsel you. I can give you what you need. I, let me travel with you and let me be your counselor. And David says, son, let me tell you something. You have no idea what you're getting into. But if you really wanted to help me, I'll tell you what you could do. You go over here and you join forces with Absalom. And you become a counselor to Absalom and everything that you hear Ahithophel say, you count it. So in other words, if Ahithophel says black, you say white. If he says red, you say blue. Anything he says, you go over here and you counter the counsel of Ahithophel. Will you do that for me? And that's what he asked Hushai the Archite. And the Bible tells us that Hushai the Archite agreed to do that for David. And then he goes and he joins himself to the forces of Absalom to become his counselor. Now, this brings me to the part in my story that I've got to ask a big question. I just, I mean, I just got to ask this question. If David regarded Ahithophel's counsel so much and he held him in such high regard, why did Ahithophel betray him? If Ahithophel was David's counselor and it was his guy and David and him were close and David, uh, he valued him as a counselor. Have you ever thought about why it was Ahithophel betrayed him? Nobody nodded on this side. Let me try off this side over here. Have you all ever thought? I'm just kidding. Have you ever thought about that? That's what's intriguing to me. Why would Ahithophel walk away from David? Why did Ahithophel go to Absalom? Let's talk about that for a minute, for, for just a moment. You remember when I told you that David committed this great sin against Bathsheba, the wife of Uriah the Hittite. Now the slap in the face of this whole thing was this. 
He was one of David's chosen men. Uriah the Hittite was one of 37 men. And I'm going to tell you something. David knew each one of these men. He knew their names. He knew the names of their wives. He knew the names of their children. That's how close David was to these 37 men. So it wasn't like that this was a stranger off the street that David went and took his wife from him. David knew who Uriah the Hittite was. But what you may or may not know is found in in 1 Samuel chapter, or excuse me, in 2 Samuel chapter 11, beginning in verse 3. This is right around the time that David caught, that David looked down off of his, off of his balcony and he saw this woman bathing and he said, I want you guys to go find out who this woman is. And I want you to notice in verse 3 of what happens. And so David sent and inquired about this woman. And someone said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now let me ask you, do you see the connection now? You see, David's wise counselor had a granddaughter. Her name was Bathsheba. And so as we look at this story and we look at how things unfold, let me ask you this. Is there any wonder why Ahithophel would be willing to walk away from David and say, I'm leaving you because of the type of man that you are? And while David was at home taking his ease in an adulterous relationship with a woman who was the wife of one of his chosen men and the daughter of another one of his chosen men and the granddaughter to his most valued counselor, Ahithophel's son and his grandson-in-law was out fighting a war while David was living through his sexual pursuits. Then when Uriah comes home and David can't make it look like the child that Uriah had spawned, he has, listen to me now, he has Ahithophel's grandson-in-law killed in battle. And then as a result of David's sin, Ahithophel's great-grandson is born to only live a few days and then he dies. So I ask you this evening, is there any wonder why this man turned his back upon David? He ruined his granddaughter's reputation. This man lost a, a, a grandson-in-law because of David. This man lost his great-grandson to death because of the sin of David. Is there any wonder why he would turn his back upon David? Now, I want to show you one more thing. In chapter 16, beginning in verse 20. After Absalom had joined the forces, or after Ahithophel had joined the forces of Absalom, in verse 20 of the same chapter, they had basically, the, the forces of Absalom had basically ran David out of Jerusalem. David's forces were on the run. They were in bad shape. 
Absalom was gaining momentum. He had all the momentum in his direction. And David was on the run. The fact of the matter was, is David was living out in the wilderness under rocks and in caves and trying to hide from all of this stuff that was going on. And the Bible says that whenever Absalom's army and carried with Ahithophel comes into Jerusalem in verse 20, it said, Absalom said to Ahithophel, give advice as to what we should do. I want you to get this picture in your mind. Okay, here we are. What do we do now? Ahithophel, you're the great counselor. Here we are. We've arrived in Jerusalem. What do we do now? And now I want you to notice what he says in verse 21. And Ahithophel said to Absalom, go into your father's concubines, whom he has left to keep the house, and all of Israel will hear that you are, that you have abhorred, that you are abhorred by your father. Then the hands of all who are with you will be strong. So they pitched a tent for Absalom on top of the house. And Absalom went into his father's concubines in all of the sight of Israel. Ahithophel, what do we do? Ahithophel said, I'll tell you what we do. He said, He violated my granddaughter who was married to another man. He took my granddaughter's husband's life. He cost me my grandson. I'll tell you what we do. We go in and we violate all of his concubines. This wasn't some distorted sexual fantasy that that Absalom was living out at this moment. This was nothing more than the revenge that Ahithophel felt for David. Well, what happens to him? Let's jump to the end of the story. After Absalom had violated all the concubines, he comes to Ahithophel and he says, okay, he says, what do we do now? And Ahithophel responds and he says, look, David's not prepared to fight. And I'm looking in verse 17 and verse 1, chapter 17 and verse 1. He said, look, David's not prepared to fight. Let me pursue him and I will bring others back. And he said, I will kill David myself. Why? Well, we know why. Because of the revenge that he had in his heart. You know what he tells? He tells Absalom, he says, you give me about 12,000 men and I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll go out here in the wilderness And I'll look under every rock. I'll look in every cave. I'll look throughout this wilderness. And we're going to find David. I'm going to kill him. And then I'm going to gather all these warriors of David's up. And I'm going to bring him back. And they'll become your warriors. Was this good advice? You better believe it was. This was great advice. If they would have had heeded. if, If Absalom would have heeded. Ahithophel's advice, there's a pretty good chance that David would never have been able to survive unless by the hand of God. Do you remember what David prayed for just a few moments ago whenever he found out Ahithophel had joined Absalom? Do you remember the prayer that David prayed? He said, Oh Lord, I pray that Ahithophel's advice be counted as foolishness. But do you remember what David did? 
there was a man that came to David named Hushai the Archite, and David said, you go over here and you counter, you counter the intelligence that you're going to hear from that, from that. He says one thing, you say another. And it just so happens. This time comes that Hushai the Archite plays a key role. I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to 2 Samuel 17, verse 5. Then Absalom said, now call Hushite the archite. This is after he heard the advice of Ahithophel. This is after Ahithophel said, let's go out and let's kill him. Let's take everything he has. Let's go into the wilderness. Let's pursue him. And Absalom says, wait a second. Let's call this other guy. Let's bring Hushite the archite in. And let's hear what he has to say. And you know what? I'll tell you what. I get the... I get the, you know, when I read the Old Testament, I get these visual images. And I get this image in my mind of this Hushai the Archite. He's just big as he goes. He comes in, he's rubbing his skin, and he's thinking. And all along, he knows what his job is. He's as cool of a character as you're going to find in the Old Testament. And, and notice what happens. And when Hushai comes in, he, he comes before Absalom, and he spoke to him, saying, Ahithophel has spoken in this manner. Shall we do as he says? If not, speak up. And Hushai, and Hushai says to Absalom, the advice that Ahithophel has given is not good at this time. For said Hushai, you know your father and his men, they are mighty men and they are enraged in their minds. They're like a bear robbed of its cubs in the field. And your father is a man of war and will not camp with the people. Surely by now he has hidden himself in some pit or in some other place. And it shall be that when when uh, some of them are overthrown at the first, that whoever hears of it will say the slaughter among the people who follow Absalom. And even he who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will melt completely. For all of Israel knows that your father is a mighty man and those who are with him are valiant men. So in essence, what Hushai is telling him says, you, you know, what you're going to do is you're going to go out there and you're not going to find David. You're just going to find his men and you're going to have to fight his men and you're going to kill his men because look how powerful you are. Look how weak they are at this time. And you're going to lose the PR war. The people are going to look at you as though you slaughtered these people. They're going to look at you as though you're an animal for treating these people like this. No, you really shouldn't go out there. All David needed was time. All David needed was time to regroup. The Bible tells us in verse 14... So Absalom and all of his men said the advice, the advice of Hushah the Archite is better than the advice of Ahithophel. The advice of Hushah is better than the advice of Ahithophel. And so David's prayers were finally answered. Well, how does the story end? I want you to read verse 23. Of chapter 17 with me. Now when Ahithophel said. Saw that his advice was not followed. He saddled his donkey. And he arose. And he went home to his house. To his city. Then he put his household in order. And he hanged himself. And he died. And was buried in his father's tomb. 
I've got to tell you, that's one of the saddest endings to any story that I can read about in the Old Testament. In all of God's Word, I can only think of two men who hung themselves. One being Judas. And we know the story of how he He went out and impulsively hung himself. But in the story of Ahithophel, here's a man who had lost all hope. And the Bible says that he saddled his donkey and he rode to his house. He got off of his donkey and he went in and he cleaned his house. He sat down. He took the time to write his will and to put his house in order. And the Bible says there he hung himself. Why do you think he ended that way? I'm going to tell you why. Because he realized that he had backed the wrong guy. He realized that it was over. I'm going to tell you, this story to me is is nothing short of fascinating. I'm going to share with you three quick takeaways, and I'm, I'm only going to take another moment of your time. Three quick takeaways that I want to share with you. And I want to leave you with as we are about to close this evening. The first thing is Ahithophel models perfectly the extremes and the consequences of seeking your own revenge. God gives us some insight as to what happens to a person who becomes just completely ate up in their heart with revenge. And I'm going to tell you something. This story is played out in movies. It's played out in real life. The people who seek revenge, they never win in the end. That's why Paul said in the book of Romans, make room for the vengeance of God, for the vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Don't try to seek your own revenge or you'll wind up like Ahithophel hanging from your own tree. In other words, you'll destroy yourself. You'll be the one that gets destroyed. Let me suggest to you, number two, that David models the extremes and the consequences of sin. You see, if David hadn't done what he had done with Bathsheba, I don't believe Ahithophel would ever have abandoned him. Nor do I believe that he would have had the problems with Absalom. Brethren, let's be honest with ourselves. There's one thing that you can never say about your sin, and that's this. You can never say about your sin that sin is my business, and it's only my business. It's nobody else's business. Because sin is not just a victimless crime against God. It always has consequences. Ahithophel is hurt. Elam is hurt. Bathsheba is hurt. A baby dies. Men die in the transfer of a kingdom. And all of David's concubines could look back on the sin of David and say, thank you, David, for what you did. Don't think your sins are done in a vacuum. Don't think that they do not have consequences for other people. Don't think that your sins won't hurt someone else. Sin has a way of hurting more people than we can ever imagine. Let me share with you the final thought, the final takeaway that I want you to understand is this. 
no matter how distorted your story may be. And I got to tell you, this is one distorted story in the Old Testament. This is an ugly story. The only person that comes out of this story that's even unscathed is Hushai the Archite. How God can take this ugly story and mastermind His wonderful plan is just amazing. I mean, God took this ugly, distorted story and through the lineage of David comes the Savior. Is going to save all of mankind. I got to tell you, brethren, that that is the part of this whole story that encourages me. Because as ugly as my story may be, as ugly as my Know with His help that God can make things right. That if I pray to God and I rely on His His grace and I rely upon His mercy, that God will save me. Three lessons. Revenge never wins. Sin will hurt more people than we can ever imagine and understand that if we turn to God and if we turn it over to God, somehow He has the ability... To take those those just nasty, sordid, evil ingredients of our life and make some of the beautiful, most beautiful things in the world come from. Praise God. Let me ask you tonight, do you do you have a life like that? Maybe your life is kind of in shambles right now. Maybe you maybe you need God to take take over your life. Maybe it is the point that you need to come tonight and confess to these good brethren that something is going on, that you're struggling in this life, and that you need the prayers of the church. I'm going to tell you, there's good people here that want to see you do well. And God can change you because He is a powerful God. Let me suggest to you tonight, brethren, if you have any needs this evening, I would like to invite you to come to the front, and I want you to share those needs with these good people And let's take it to the Father. Let's take it to our Heavenly Father. Maybe you need to put on baptism tonight and wash away your sin. Let's take it to the Father. Right now, while together we stand and while we sing.